How can we do this? How can we continually live out this life of rejoicing and prayer and thanksgiving? And how can we sort through the good and the bad? God himself works it in us. Here we see it is the Lord himself who sanctifies. Our Christian living is based off of the working of God. Just as our rescue and salvation is the working of the Son, our sanctified life of thanksgiving and prayer and rejoicing is the work of the Spirit. The following is from Rock of Ages Lutheran Church in Payson, Arizona, reaching out with rock solid hope in Rin country. December 13, 2020, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16-24. My family has had to move about 10 times now since I first began seminary 15 years ago. And anybody that's done any moving knows that it involves not just a lot of packing, but a lot of sorting. That's really the key word. Holding on to what is good and not what is bad. But Sorting is something we do more than just when we make a major move in life. It is something we also do in our spiritual life. We're to continue to sort out what is good and bad until Christ's return. This morning we look at 1 Thessalonians and there we see a letter which has probably a higher percentage of commands than any other letter. And in it are given instructions, especially here in just the closing verses, eight instructions to sort through life, to sort out the good and the bad. And how are we to sort everything? Well, we continue our series looking at how God prepares us for his coming as we see how the Spirit sanctifies. When Paul, Silas, and Timothy wrote 1 Thessalonians, they had just faced a lot of difficulty. Imagine how hard it was for them when they first arrived in Thessalonica. In their previous city of Philippi, they had been beaten, they had been tossed in jail, publicly humiliated, and made to leave the town of Philippi. But when they got to Thessalonica, I'm sure they were surprised. There, it says, the believers, those who received the message that Paul, Silas, and Timothy brought, turned from idols to the living God and serving the true living God. And not only did the Thessalonian believers come to faith from idol worship to the living God, they also lived a model Christian faith so that Paul can say that they were an example to all the believers in Macedonia. It's no wonder Paul says of these Thessalonian Christians, you are my joy, my glory, and my crown. But Paul and his companions could not stay with the Thessalonian Christians, their crown and joy, for long. With the great success also came great opposition. Many of the Jews in the city of Thessalonica became jealous of Paul and Silas and Timothy and their teaching. And so they started a riot to drive Paul and his companions out of the city. And so Paul and his companions were sent packing. And it happened rather suddenly. They had to overnight escape from the city so that they wouldn't face arrest and possibly being killed. How would the Thessalonian Christians hold up? One of them, named Jason, had been a close companion with Paul. He had welcomed Paul and the evangelists into his home and supported their teaching. But now Paul, Silas, and Timothy had to leave. How would Jason and the rest hold up 
in the face of such opposition and such loss? Well, Paul and his companions write to them this letter. And here he encourages them to remain steadfast in faith despite all the hardships. And if this is a good letter written for model believers during hard times, it's certainly useful for you and me today. Paul gives them what is really at this letter, end of this letter, he, Paul and his companions give them eight commands or instructions. But take note that these aren't just actions to do something. These are really commands, instructions that are centered on the heart. The believer has a whole new mindset, a new self, and a whole new way of looking at things. And that's what Paul strives to encourage them in as he gives them this instruction. To begin with here, as he closes the letter, he says, Rejoice always. Now, the believer certainly faces many times of sorrow and things that bring tears. Jason and his companions were alone. They had lost their close friends. Paul and his companions had to leave them behind. This was a hard thing. But Paul says to them, rejoice always. Now the believer recognizes that in this world, rejoicing is muted. And the picture of a perfect Christmas celebration does not long last. But in Christ, we can rejoice. Even when our friends and companions are gone, we can say, God will never leave me. And even when we're facing hardship and are alone, we can say, I have the Lord on my side, even if the world is against me. We can rejoice in this. And yes, the world around us will show us these pictures of what, what make people happy at Christmas time and what brings rejoicing. And we'll see the perfect post of those who offer happiness. Maybe on social media and on Facebook, you'll see people social peacocking, that is, showing how wonderful their life is. But behind the scene, there's not continual rejoicing. And yes, the TV commercials will try to convince you that if you wear this makeup or have this sort of a lifestyle, then you'll be happy. But the makeup doesn't hold up as the tears come. And it can't bring continual joy. But God's word does. In his word, we see reason to rejoice that God brought us into his kingdom. We see reason to rejoice as we focus on what God tells us in his word, that we belong to him and are redeemed by him. And that no matter what comes our way, this is our joy. Rejoice always. Paul adds to that, pray without ceasing. That is, not constantly mutter and mumble the same prayer over and over down on your knees, but rather, don't hold back prayer. Prayer is pouring out your heart to God. If God, who promises to hear us and answers always for our good, is there ever a reason to cease from prayer? Pray without ceasing as you constantly pour out your concerns and your heart to the Lord. Are you facing trouble? Lord, help me, I'm weak. Are you facing temptation and the attacks of the enemy? Lord, give me strength to withhold to your word in the face of attacks from the evil one. Continually pray. It's a new mindset of the believer that prayer never ceases because God's always hearing. Paul adds, 
In everything, give thanks. We have so much to be thankful for. And it's far more than just the fact that our God gave us life. Really, we came into this world naked and without a thing, and God gave us everything that we have. This is enough to be thankful for. But he does so much more when he says he has brought us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his Son. And he has made us to be his own who can rejoice in his kingdom and who can come before him in prayer because he has paid for our sins and we stand before him blameless and holy in his sight because of the work of his son. We can give thanks because as Paul says earlier in this letter, even our physical bodies will last forever as God restores us and changes these bodies to be glorified and we will be with the Lord forever. That right there is reason to give thanks in every circumstance. You see, the, the new mindset of the believer is continual rejoicing, continual prayer, and continual thanksgiving. How do we do this? God works it in us. God does this by the working of his spirit. He says, do not extinguish the spirit. It is the Holy Spirit who brings us to rejoice as he brought us to faith and is the Spirit who kindled in us that fire of faith as we trust in our God and we rejoice in his good news and we turn to him in prayer as the Spirit intercedes on our behalf and we give thanks as the Spirit leads us to see the working of the goodness of our God and his promises which we hold to. And so Paul says, don't extinguish the Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit who works in us this gift of faith. It is the Holy Spirit who continues to sustain us in faith. Don't turn aside from the Holy Spirit. Don't despise the way he works. How does the Spirit work? Paul's next instruction, do not treat prophecies with contempt. The Spirit works by the word of God. It is through the prophets that the Spirit has spoken. And in the prophecies of Holy Scripture, the Holy Spirit has brought us to see Jesus. All Scripture is breathed by God and is the very Word of God. Yes, there'll be people who, like no doubt around Jason, would say, how can you hold to that word of the apostles? How can you hold to the prophecies pointing to Jesus? But we know by the Spirit's working that the prophecies have been fulfilled and they point to Jesus. He is the reason for our rejoicing, the reason that we can come before God in prayer and the reason that we have thanksgiving always because the prophecies are fulfilled in Christ, Jesus. He is the Son of God, the reason we celebrate Christmas, who came into this world and became like us, just as prophesied. And the prophecies were fulfilled as Jesus, the perfect Son of God, took all of our sins upon himself and paid the price for us. And the prophecies were fulfilled as Jesus tells us, the living Jesus tells us, that we can rejoice forever because we will be with him in his kingdom forever. But you'll still see today the word of God being treated with contempt put on the same power as the word of men. But the word of God is to be elevated and honored above all because through it the Spirit leads us to see Christ and along with him to have continual rejoicing, prayer, and thanksgiving. So how do we, how do we hold up the word of God? 
the next instruction, test everything. What is it that you do this Christmas to celebrate? What traditions does your family have? Test it. Is it in line with God's word? Is it what the Spirit has revealed is good or bad? Here we begin to see how God would have us sort through our lives to find out what is good and worth holding on to and what is evil and needs to be avoided. Test everything. That includes your, your cherished traditions in your family. There is only one this Christmas who we can truly celebrate, who knows whether we've been good or evil. There's only one who is omnipresent. And there is only one who gives gifts freely to his people. There is only one who we can truly honor and thank and praise and trust in this Christmas. And he doesn't wear his hand to hat. What about your family traditions? Do you lead those in your family, the young ones, to look to him or to look to the one who prophecies point to, the one who Christmas really is celebrated about? And what other traditions do you have as you celebrate Christmas? Is it overeating, overindulgence? Is it giving in to the greed of society around us to find that the best way to celebrate is by having the best things? Test it. Paul says, hold on to the good. There are things which are worth holding on to. That is the worship of God at Christmas time, the focus on his word, family devotions, singing Christian hymns, and the traditional things that are found in your family that should never be tossed aside. Hold on to them. They are good. The ones that don't treat prophecy with contempt, but elevate God's word as a meaningful part of your life. That don't quench the Spirit's fire, but allow the Spirit to work through the word as your traditions and your habits center around the word of God. Hold on to what is good. And keep away from every kind of evil. You know, it can be hard sometimes when the world wants us to blend in to say that this is the best way to enjoy and celebrate life. But we're to sort through everything. And sorting through it can mean getting rid of every kind of evil, whatever tradition it might be. If you've tested it, and it does not prove to be something that strengthens you in faith and through which the Spirit might glorify God, avoid it. If it's something which puts contempt on God and his word, avoid it. If it is foregoing worship for the sake of some family tradition, is it really something good? Or is it something to be sorted out into the discard piles, a habit to toss aside? How can we do this? How can we continually live out this life of rejoicing and prayer and thanksgiving? And how can we sort through the good and the bad? God himself works it in us. Here we see, it is the Lord himself who sanctifies. Our Christian living is based off of the working of God. Just as our rescue and salvation is the working of the Son, our sanctified life of thanksgiving and prayer and rejoicing is the work of the Spirit. Paul concludes, May the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it.
God himself sanctifies, works in us this new mindset and this new life of constant rejoicing, constant prayer, and constant thanksgiving. And the Spirit, who works by the words of the prophets, has worked in us that fire of a new life in which we sort out the bad and the good and hold on to what is good. And it is the Spirit who keeps us blameless. That is, he preserves us, protects us in faith until the coming of Jesus. The one who calls you is faithful. God called us to faith. And he will continue to work in us what is good and pleasing and will strengthen us and hold us in that faith. You know, there can be the temptation in our life to no longer treat prophecy with honor, but to begin to look on it with contempt, to push it aside. And with that, also to no longer test everything, but to accept some things that are evil, and to no longer hold on to what is good, but to let it slide. And in doing so, our life becomes one without rejoicing, without continual rejoicing in our Lord, one without continual prayer in which we hold and trust in him, and one without thanksgiving to our God. And we quench the Spirit's fire, and we put out the working of the Spirit, and soon our life of faith is lost. Can you picture Jason and the rest in Thessalonica? They decide that they no longer want to sort out all these things in their life, quenching the Spirit's fire, eventually losing the gift of faith and losing what is most precious. This Christmas season, God prepares you for his coming. He prepares you with his spirit. With his spirit, he sanctifies so that you sort out what is good and what is bad. And you hold on to what is good. And that the spirit's fire is worked so that you can live a life of rejoicing, prayer, and thanksgiving without end. God prepares us for his coming. With his spirit, he sanctifies. Amen.